Good morning. I'm going to continue with the Salem Witch Trials Part 3. Legal Procedures Overview When someone concluded that a loss, illness, or death was caused by witchcraft, the accuser entered a complaint against the alleged witch with local magistrates. If the complaint was credible, magistrates had the accused arrested and brought before public examination and interrogation where magistrates usually pressed the accused to confess. If the magistrates were satisfied that the complaint was well-founded, the prisoner was handed over for trial by the Superior Court. In 1692, magistrates opted to wait for the arrival of a new charter and governor who would establish a court of oyer and terminer to handle cases. The Superior Court summoned witnesses before a grand jury. A person was indicted on charges of afflicting someone with witchcraft or for making an unlawful covenant with the devil. Once indicted, the defendant went to trial, sometimes on the same day as the case of Bridget Bishop, the first person indicted and tried on June 2nd and executed eight days later on June 10, 1692. There were four execution dates, with one person executed on June 10, 1692, five on July 19, 1692, Sarah Good, Rebecca Nurse, Susanna Martin, Elizabeth Howe, and Sarah Wiles. Another five executed on June, August 19, 1692. Martha Carrier, John Willard, George Burroughs, George Jacobs Sr., and John Proctor. And eight on September 22, 1692. Mary Eastie, Mary Corey, Martha Corey, Anna Pudiator, Samuel Wardwell, Mary Parker, Alice Parker, Wilmot Red, and Margaret Scott. Several were given temporary reprieves after being convicted due to pregnancy, including Elizabeth Bassett Proctor and Abigail Faulkner. Five other women were convicted in 1692, but the death sentence was never carried out. Mary Bradbury, in absentia, and Foster died later in prison. Mary Lacey, Sr., a Foster's daughter, and Dorcas Hoare, H-O-A-R, and Abigail Hobbs. 81-year-old farmer from the southeast and the Salem, Samuel Farms, Giles Corey, refused to enter a plea at his trial in September. The judges used an archaic form of punishment, penne forte et dur, where stones were piled on top of his chest until he could no longer breathe. Corey died two days later, not entering a plea. Corey's refusal explains why his estate was not confiscated by the Crown, but according to historian Chadwick Hansen, much of Corey's property was being seized and he made a will in prison. His death was a protest against the methods of the court. Contemporary critic of trial Robert Califf wrote, Giles Corey pleaded not guilty to his indictment, but would not himself upon trial by jury. They have been clear, they having cleared up none upon trial, and knowing there would be the same witnesses against him, rather chose to undergo what death they would put him to. As convicted witches, Rebecca's nurse and Martha Corey were excommunicated from the churches and denied proper burials. After the bodies were cut from the tree, they were tossed in a shallow grave and the spectators dispersed. Oral history claims the families of the dead reclaimed the bodies after dark and buried them in unmarked graves on family property. Record books during this time do not note the deaths of any of those executed. Spectral evidence. Most, but not all, of the evidence used against the accused was spectral evidence or testimony of the afflicted who claimed to see apparition or shape of the person who allegedly afflicted them. Theological dispute ensued about the use of this evidence was based on whether a person had to give person to the devil for his or her shape 
to be used to afflict. Opponents claimed the devil was able to use anyone's shape to afflict people, but the court contended the devil could not use a person's shape without that person's permission. Therefore, when the afflicted claimed to see the apparition of a specific person, it was accepted as evidence that the accused had been complicit with the devil. Cotton Mathers, The Wonders of the Invisible World, was written to show how careful the court managed the trials, but the work did not get released until after the trials were ended. Math Mather explained how he felt spectral evidence was presumptive and didn't stand alone to warrant conviction. Robert Caleb, a strong critic against Cotton Mather, stated in his own book, More Wonders of the Invisible World, that by confessing an accused would not, not be brought to trial, such in the cases of Tituba and Dorcas Good. Increased Mather, as well as other ministers, sent letters to the court. The return of several ministers consulted, urging magistrates not to convict on spectral evidence alone. The court later ruled that spectral evidence was inadmissible, causing a dramatic reduction in convictions and hastening an end to the trials. A copy of this letter was printed in Increased Mather's Cases of Conscience, which was published in 1693. The publication, A Trial of Witches, relating to the 1692 1662, Barry St. Edmund's witch trial, which was used by magistrates at Salem's as precedent in allowing spectral evidence. Jurist Sr. Matthew Hale prevented this evidence, permitted this evidence, supporting the eminent philosopher, physician, and author Thomas Brown to be used in the Barry St. Edmund witch trial and the accusations against two low-staff women. The colonial magic accepted its validity and trials proceeded. Witch cake. Sometime around February 1692, possibly before specific names were mentioned, a neighbor of Reverend Paris, Mary Sibley or Sibley, aunt of Mary Walcott, instructed John Indian, one of the minister's slaves, to make a witch cake. She intended to use traditional English white magic to find the identity of the witch afflicting the girls. The cake, made from rye meal and urine from the afflicted girls, was fed to the dogs. According to English folk understanding of how witches accomplished affliction, when a dog ate the cake, the witch herself would be hurt. Invisible particles had she had sent to afflict the girls were believed to remain in the girl's urine, and a woman's cries of pain when a dog ate the cane would identify her as the witch. This superstition was based on Cartesian doctrine of effluvia, effluvia which Positive that witches afflicted by others by the use of venomous and malignant particles that were ejected from the eye, according to the October 8, 1692 letter of Thomas Brattle, a contemporary critic of the witch trials. Richards of Salem Village Church showed Paris spoke with Sibley, or Sibley, privately on March 25, 1692, about her grand error and accepted her sorrowful confession. In a Sunday sermon to his congregation on March 27, addressed the subject of Climbs that had begun in his household, but stated it never break forth to any considerable light until diabolical means were used by the making of a cake by my Indian man who had his direction from our sister, Mary Sibley. He admonished his congregation against the use of any kind of magic, even white magic, because it was essentially going to the devil for help against the devil. Mary Sibley, or Sibley, S-I-B-L-E-Y, publicly acknowledged the error of her actions before the congregation and a show of hands voted that they were satisfied with her admission. Other incidents appear in the records demonstrating a belief by members of the communicating in the effluvia as legitimate evidence. Two statements against Elizabeth Howe included 
accounts of people suggesting that an ear be cut off and burned from two different animals which Hal was thought to have afflicted, proving she was one who was bewitched them to death. Traditionally, the afflicted girls are said to have been entertained by Paris slave Tituba as she allegedly taught them about voodoo in the Parsonist kitchens in early 1692. Despite there being no evidence to support this, a variety of secondary sources starting with Charles W. Upham in the 19th century relate that a circle of girls with Tituba's help tried their hands at fortune telling. They used the white of an egg and a mirror to create a primitive crystal ball to divine the professions of their future spouses and scared one another when supposedly saw the shape of a coffin. The story comes from John Hale's book about the trials, but his version only states that only one girl actually tried this, and Hale doesn't mention Tituba as having any part of this, nor did he identify when the incident took place. Tituba's free trial examiner gives an energetic confession as she speaks before the court, Creatures who inhabit the invisible world and the dark rituals which bind them together in service of Satan implicating both Good and Osborne, while asserting that many other people in the colony engaged in the devil's conspiracy against the Bay. Tichiba's race is described as Carib Indian or African descent, but contemporary sources say she is an Indian. Researcher Elaine Breslau suggests Tichiba may have been captured in Venezuela and brought to Barbados, making her an Arawak Indian. Governor Thomas Hutchinson, in writing his history of the Massachusetts Bay Colony in the 18th century, described her as a Spanish Indian. During this day, this meant a Native American from the Carolinas, Georgia, Florida. Touch test. An infamous application of the brief of the belief in effluvia was the touch test used in Andover during preliminary examinations in September 1692. Despite Paris explicitly warning his congregation against using this examination, but supposedly, if the accused witch touched the victim while the victim was having a fit and the fit stopped, observers believed it meant the accused was the person who afflicted the victim. Several of those later accused later recounted, We were blindfolded and our hands were laid upon the afflicted persons, they being in their fits and falling into their fits and are coming into their presence. As... They said, some let, us, some let us and laid our hands upon them, and then they said they were well and that we were guilty of afflicting them, whereupon we were all seized as prisoners by a warrant from the justices of peace and forthwith carried to Salem. The Reverend John Hill explained how it worked. The witch, by the cast of her eye, sends forth a malefic venom into the bewitched to cast him into a fit, and therefore the touch of, a, of the hand doth by sympathy cause that venom return into the body of the witch again. Other evidence. Other evidence included confessions of the accused, testimony by a confessed witch who identified others as witches, discovery of poppets or poppets, P-O-P-P-E-T-S, books of palmistry and horoscopes, or pots of ointments in the possession of or home of the accused, the observation of what were called witches' teats on the body of the accused. A witch's teat is a male Mole or blemish anywhere on the body incentive to touch. This discovery of instance of errors was considered de facto evidence of witchcraft. Contemporary commentary on the trials. Several accounts about the Salem witch trials started being published in 1692. Diodot Lawson, a former minister of Salem, Salem Village, visits Salem Village in March and April 1692 and later that year published his own account. 
of what he saw and heard titled A Brief and True Narrative of Some Remarkable Passages Related to Sundry Persons Afflicted by Witchcraft at Salem Village, which happened from the 19th of March to the 5th of April, 1692. <coughs> Reverend William Milborn, a Baptist minister in Boston, publicly petitioned the General Assembly early June, 1692, challenging the use of spectral evidence by the court. Milborn had to post 200-pound bond equal to 30,754 pounds or 42,000 U.S. dollars today or be arrested for contriving, writing, and publishing the said scandalous papers. On June 15, 1692, 12 local ministers, including Increase Mather and Samuel Willard, submitted the return of several ministers to the governor and council in Boston, causing <coughs> the authorities <coughs> not to rely on <coughs> the use of Spectral evidence. <coughs> Presumptions whereupon persons may be committed and much much and much more convictions whereupon persons may be condemned as guilty as witchcrafts ought certainly be more considerable than barely the accused persons being reflected, represented by a specter into the unto the afflicted. Sometime in 1692, minister of the Third Church of Boston, Samuel Willard, announced he published a short tract in Philadelphia titled Some Miscellaneous Observations on a Present Debate Respecting Witchcrafts in a Dialogue Between SMB. The author listed as P.E. and J.A., Philip English and John Alden, but the work is attributed to Willard. In it, two characters, S. Salem and B. Boston, discuss the prudence were conducted with B. Urging Caution, about the use of testimony from the afflicted and the confessors, stating whatever comes from them, from them is to be suspected, and is and it is dangerous using credit crediting to or crediting that too far. <coughs> Sometime in 1692, Governor Phipps requested Cotton Mather to write the wonders of the invisible world, being an account of the trials of several witches lately executed in New England as a defense of the trials to very much flatten that fury which we now so much turn upon one another. Published in Boston and London in 1692, but dated 1693, the introductory letter of endorsements by William Stoughton, Chief Magistrate, the materials taken directly from court records supplied by Mather, by Stephen Seawall, his friend and clerk of the court. Mather's father increased Mather, published Cases of Conscience Concerning Evil Spirits, dated October 3, 1692, after the last trials by the court of Oyer and Terminer. The title page of Big List mistakenly lists the publication year of 1693. Increase Mather repeats his caution about the reliance on spectral evidence, stating it were better that ten suspected wishes should escape and that one innocent person should be condemned. Second and third editions were published in Boston and London in 1693. The third edition included Loss's narrative and the anonymous, a further account of the trials of the New England witches sent in a letter from thence to a gentleman in London. Thank you for listening. Part 4. Tune in for Part 4 next week.